Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome to the 2022 opening episode of Cliff Notes on the global manufacturing picture. I'm Cliff Waldman. I'm the host of the show, one of many on Manufacturing Talk Radio. This year, I intend to bring to my audience a number of shows with a number of top experts to discuss very future-oriented topics in the manufacturing arena. Right now, however, right at the beginning of the year, we are confronting a massively uncertain economic and business outlook that unfortunately is just consuming every other topic. So for this opening episode of this year, I want to sort of just not, there, nobody can answer all the questions. I'm not going to try to answer all the questions. But my goal on this episode is to give you a little bit of orientation in how to think about how this year may proceed from an economic, thus a business point of view. This massive uncertainty is globally massive uncertainty. Therefore, it impacts the very globally-oriented U.S. manufacturing sector and thus your business. In order to accomplish this task, I'm going to look backward and I'm going to look forward. When I look backward, I'm going to see data for 2021 as a whole, but particularly the end of 2021. When I look forward, I'm going to see lots of uncertainty, but I'm going to specifically delineate the risks for this year, talk about them, and hopefully we'll at least get a framework for dealing what is with what is probably the most uncertain economic outlook since the late 1970s and early 1980s. So let's start with the general economic growth picture picture for the third quarter of 2021. We do not have the fourth quarter yet for 2021. That will come at the end of this month in a week or so. But it's clear what happened. U.S. economic growth slowed dramatically from the torrid and frankly unsustainable pace of 6.5% in the first half of 2021 to 2.3% in the third quarter. At the end of this month, we'll get a first look at uh, Q4 GDP. I don't expect it to be much better, maybe slightly. Growth has slowed. The primary reason for the slowdown was a pullback in U.S. consumer spending, which, as I've said before, accounts for nearly 70% of the U.S. economic growth picture. Annual growth in total personal consumption expenditures, total consumer spending, slowed from an average of 11.7% in the first half of 2021 to 2% in the third quarter. Most of the slowdown in consumer spending came from a dramatic fall-off in the growth of consumer expenditures on goods. The slowdown in goods was the focal point of the slowdown in total consumer spending. Goods spending slowed from an annualized rate of 27.4% in the first quarter to 13% in the second quarter to minus to a contraction of 8.8% in the third quarter. What happened? I suspect you know the story. 
the surge in the Delta variant in the third quarter, and increasingly gummed up supply chains contributed to the sharp fall off in good spending by consumers. While growth was slowing, the inflation picture was worsening. And far we you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, but far from being transitory, the inflation picture has gotten and I've used the word troubling, increasingly difficult. Measured on a measured on a twelve month percent change basis, headline inflation in the United States rose from five point three percent in August to seven percent in December. Let's look at it another way. Let's divide 2021 into, you know, the two halves. Headline inflation rose from 3.4% in the first half of 2021 to 6% in the second half. Core, let's look at core inflation. Core inflation takes headline inflation and removes food and energy, which are globally determined and very, very volatile. If you remove them, you can sort of see the underlying inflation trend a bit better. Core inflation rose from 2.6% in the first half of 2021 to 4.5% in the second half. In December, it was reported that core inflation rose 5.5% over the last 12 months. That's the largest increase since the 12-month period ending in February of 1991. Of particular concern to me, the increase in the core rate has been broad-based, with almost all components showing increases over the past 12 months. There was an argument four or five months ago that inflation was contained to things like used car prices that got very distorted because of the uh, the semiconductor problem causing a real constraint on the production of new cars that was specialized. But these data as of late are telling us, us that this is a broad macroeconomic inflation problem. And also, the importance for manufacturers, U.S. manufacturers to understand, is the fact that the U.S. is certainly not the only inflation hotspot in the world. It was reported just a few days ago that inflation in the United Kingdom rose to a 30-year high, a three-decade high in December. Inflation in Canada rose to 4.8% in December. That's the highest since 1991. All right, so in the broad macroeconomic picture is clear. Slowing growth although that, six, that above 6% was unsustainable, but nonetheless slowing growth, clearly accelerating inflation. What did the U.S. manufacturing growth picture look like, you know, in 2021 20, and particularly toward the end of 2021? Well, let's go back to 2020. After contracting by 6.6% in 2020, U.S. manufacturing had – all things considered, a fairly impressive, if incomplete, rebound of 6.4% in 2021. It's, it's really sort of walk, you know, worked its way through the bullets and the gunfire and, and is at least moving forward. Nonetheless, manufacturing growth slowed in December, slipping by 0.3% after a 0.6% growth in November. 
motor vehicle and parts has really been a focus in the, uh, over the past 12 months. Motor vehicle and parts output slipped by 1.3% in December and was nearly 6% lower than year-ago levels. It was victimized by a critical shortage of semiconductors that is really indicative of a national underinvestment in that crucial resource. And is thus, and while it's being recognized and it seems to be moved on, that problem is not going to go away very quickly. It's not a market problem that will just quickly take its, uh, care of itself. We need a deliberate investment in the domestic production of semiconductors because it's not just autos, electronics. You can think on many uh, refrigerators. Many of you can think of many, many things that depend on semiconductors. A shortage is, has contributed to the many supply chain headaches that many of you have been confronting uh, over this past year. Clearly, though, even without the uh, the auto story, there was a general kind of, not a terrible slowdown, but a somewhat of a slowdown in what was generally an okay year for U.S. manufacturing growth. The Institute Supply Management for Supply Management Survey report for December um, much followed since 1931, validated a modest loss of momentum in manufacturing de demand, although from red-hot, white-hot toward levels. The overall purchasing manager's index fell from 61.1 in November, a rare level, to 58.7 in December, slightly cooler but still quite hot. The new orders compo uh, component actually stayed above, slightly above the 60% mark, while production fell a bit from 61.5 to 59.2. We're still in the stratosphere, just a few feet lower in the, in the stratosphere. Most interestingly, however, most interestingly in this December ISM report, and I'm hoping that this is a bit of good news that's going to start shining through, it would appear that supply chain stresses, supply chain stresses, um, a raising a bit. While the, the data continued to show slow supplier response to demand, that seems to be getting just a little bit better. And it may be partially a function of that manufacturing is slowing uh, a little bit, thus putting less stress on supply chains. But it also would appear from this report that the situation with material lead times and prices also improved noticeably, not tremendously, but certainly noticeably. I'll be following that. I'll be commenting on maybe it's the, the beginning of something somewhat better uh, in terms of the, uh, the supply chain situation, although, as I'll go on to tell you, the risks this year could, you know, reverse that, not to be a party pooper after New Year's Eve, but it's a it's a good sign, but it may be somewhat of a tentative sign. All right, that's looking back. Slowing growth from uh, hot levels. We you know we weren't going to always get the kick from the tremendous government stimulus, but nonetheless, slowing growth. Pretty good year for manufacturing. Modest. The big big problem is clearly high accelerating once in a generation inflation. So. All right, we come into 2022, 
We want to know what the outlook is. We want to know how to plan. And all we have is risk. And I think the best way is just to confront the risks head on, talk about them a little, and maybe that will help you get your, your bearings when it's going to be a strange year. First and foremost, highest on the risk issue, you won't be surprised to hear me say, is the pandemic. An examination of the list of risk has to start with the pandemic. Now, while the rapid spread of the Omicron variant is a crucial matter for growth, as evidenced by recent week data and initial claims and uh, fall off in retail sales, we're starting to see the Omicron variant either cresting or coming down in certain areas, and pretty soon it will come down in other areas. The, the thinking is it was a very rapidly spreading variant, and then when it comes down, it will come down equally as rapidly. So at some point this year, we will be at a, a point of wondering about the next variant or if there is a next variant. You know, the question of what comes next will be uppermost in our minds. At least short term, before that happens, the path of the pandemic is going to continue to have its huge influence on the path of economic growth and path of manufacturing growth in the United States and around the world. Once and then, so, but, I, I, okay, you want to get a, a sense of what's going to happen now. Is this the end of the, is the Omicron spread the end of the pandemic? Is it a precursor to another similar spread where you have a, a rapidly spreading virus that is, uh, it seems to be far less virulent than the Delta or the original strain of the virus. Is it a precursor to something worse? From what I can see, there is no clear, it's, there's understandably no clear consensus on this. And unfortunately, that becomes a problem for, um, economic forecasting. We are, it is a big risk. It is impossible to say anything except that we have to watch it and if there's one maybe glimmer of light with this, even if we do have another wave of something coming out, it would seem that with each successive wave of this horrible pandemic, there's less of an impact on economic growth because we've learned to adapt to it. We've learned, we've learned how to play it, how to adjust to it. Even then, that doesn't mean there aren't disruptions. That doesn't mean it won't affect growth. It will. But we, it seems to be less affecting growth each time because we get more practiced in, as a society, as an economy, um, in adjusting to it. The one thing that is clear, turning to the second big risk of 2022, and I just gave it to you, is that there is no question about a troublesome, not a transit, but a troublesome inflation picture. The risk, therefore, is that inflation. We got it. <laughs> that, that's 100%. The risk is the reaction of the Federal Reserve and other central banks to a, to a once in almost 40 year inflation picture as a whole globally. So, so how can we read this? Well, central banks talk a lot, particularly the Fed has, has, you know, uh, has a lot of good communication. Certainly the communication from the Federal Reserve has gotten increasingly hawkish, that is increasingly tilting toward tightening policy in recent weeks. But financial markets know that the Fed is still burdened by the impact of the rapidly spreading Omicron variant and the still incomplete jobs recovery. We still have a ways to go to get back to where we were, even mathematically, never mind additional growth, 
pre, uh, for jobs pre-pandemic. Weighing both, market interest rates have risen, as you would expect. But as of right now, the yield on the 10-year Treasury note, something of a, of a benchmark for interest rates in the United States, remains below 1.8%. That is surprisingly low given inflation pressures. I'm going to take the analysis uh, one step further. Yes, they're going to pay attention to the problem, uh, to the weakest data that we've gotten recently, and then most likely due to the Omicron variant. But they're seeing, I think they're starting to see that inflation is becoming not only more widespread, but entrenched. It's starting to have an impact on basic things in the economy like wage negotiations. That's going to pressure the Fed to move, and I think move fairly decisively. Federal Reserve tightening, in turn, is likely to motivate tightening in other central banks, and particularly in other central banks in the advanced world for stability reasons, for capital flow reasons. So for the U.S. outlook, for the global outlook, and therefore for the U.S. manufacturing outlook, Central banks are certainly one of the biggest risks, not only for 2022, but for the outlook in 2023. Remember, monetary policy works with long and often variable lags. Those are the two big things. But we have a, we have a wild card in the story here that I can't, we can't entirely ignore economically. It could have a big economic implication, and that is the Russia story. The Russia story is a wild card, but it could potentially be a powerful one. If Russia were to actually, if it were to actually happen, if our worst fears come true and Russia were to actually invade Ukraine, I believe that a sense of true global crisis would invade the thinking of financial market players. Typically, when that happens, it generates a run into the dollar. The dollar is always kind of a port in the storm when there's a, uh, a global crisis with a great deal of uncertainty. People hug the dollar because we're still the, the most liquid markets, the most stable economy, the most stable, <laughs> remarkably, the most sta- still the most stable government in the world. Uh, also, given the energy calculus between Russia and Western Europe, I think an invasion of Ukraine would also raise um, oil prices. So the risk with Ukraine is that if Russia actually does the invasion, we will have a higher dollar, we will have a higher global energy prices. Both of those things are a negative for the U.S. manufacturing outlook, and thus bears watching by forecasters and planners in uh, U.S. manufacturing companies. I'm going to end my discussion of the risks for 2022 with uh, a problem and an issue that we will be watching certainly now and for years to come, and that is the path of the Chinese economy. China is changing in complex ways. The property sector is showing disruptions that are telling us that the mix of economic growth is going to have to change there. There is an un- has been an unfortunate reversion to statism, which is not particularly good 
for the strength of a market economy. Demographics are a terrible challenge for China. You go, they're going to start seeing an actual shrinkage in population. And particularly, the first half of, the, of 2021 was reasonably good for China, uh, Chinese economic growth, but it fell off significantly, particularly toward the closing months of 2021. And right now, there are many, many questions about China. Will the slowdown be extreme? Is slow growth going to be the path of Chinese growth for the coming years? If we answer that yes, then the contribution of Chinese economic growth to the global to the global economic picture and to the global manufacturing picture are going to change. That's a different world than many of you are used to. It's a risk for this year because we don't quite know how significant the slowdown in China is going to continue to be. If nothing else, we know, I know, nobody's entirely sure about what is happening with the property sector. Is it a deflating bubble? Is it a, pro, a popping bubble? Just that alone is creating quite a bit of uncertainty. And, co and it, it would seem that the Omicron variant has hit China, which with their zero tolerance toward COVID is really going to hit Chinese um, uh, consumer spending growth. And that's going to give us a very, very uncertain picture. That is the risk picture for 2022. Inflation and the, and the virus, Russia and China, that's a lot to deal with, and we'll keep helping you to deal with. Let me just take a minute before I close out today to talk about some of the, the specialized topics that I plan to bring to my uh, shows on for my audience this year and bringing, and I intend to bring the top, as always, as I have in past years, the top level experts to give us insight into particularly four things, but I'm sure the list will grow. One is the energy outlook. The energy outlook is changing structurally. Climate change is going to have a big impact. Uh, climate change and all the policies that are going to surround it in the United States and around the world are going to have a big impact on the energy outlook for the U.S. manufacturing sector. We will bring people who can talk about that to you. Infrastructure was passed. It's a good thing, but we want to take a look at the impact of the infrastructure bill on uh, U.S. manufacturing. It could be considerable, more than you think. Then, of course, workforce problems. Workforce problems are nothing new to the manufacturing sector. The, the availability of skilled labor, of the skills that you need in a modern manufacturing environment has been a challenge. For 15, uh, for, I've been talking to manufacturing executives for 15 years, and I can tell you it's been a challenge for at least 15 years. But COVID, the pandemic, has added new challenges to an already long list of workforce uh, recruitment and retention challenges. So we want to bring people and episodes to you to help you understand that. And finally, I want to bring some some wonderful Washington experts on China to talk about what I just talked about on China and to give you some clarity and some elucidation on that manufacturing powerhouse and how it's changing and what will mean for the outlook for the U.S. manufacturing sector and for your business. Once again, folks, Happy New Year. I'm looking forward to a constructive, interesting year and I look forward to the next episode.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>